Republicans threatened Biden with civil war. It's only been three years since Donald Trump and his MAGA Republicans launched the worst attack on our nation's capital since the War of 1812. Carrying Confederate flags, these insurrectionists were egged on not just by the Trump White House, but members of the Senate like Josh Hawley and 147 members of Congress who, even after the smoke and rubber rubble were being cleared, still voted not to certify the election for Joe Biden. And now the standard bearer of their party refers to the nearly 1,000 insurrectionists locked up as patriots and hostages, as does the Republican leadership in the House who can't bring themselves to say Donald Trump lost and that January 6th was one of the worst days in American history. Republican Senator Fine with Fascism, Sunday on ABC News, J.D. Vance, the Yale-educated hedge fund manager turned Republican senator from Ohio, still insisted there was evidence of voter fraud in 2020, even though 60 lawsuits filed by Republicans couldn't prove even so much as a shred of evidence that there was voter fraud. Even Donald Trump's head of Homeland Security's Election Integrity Office, Chris Krebs, called the 2020 presidential election the cleanest in American history. While Trump was screaming election fraud the day after he lost, Chris Krebs issued a statement from Homeland Security saying, quote, there is no evidence that any voting system deleted or lost votes, changed votes, or was in any way compromised. So Trump fired him immediately. But Senator J.D. Vance, who is auditioning for the role of Trump's vice president, on Sunday told ABC News that if he, instead of Mike Pence, had been presiding over Congress on January 6, he, J.D. Vance, would have permitted competing slates of electors. In other words, J.D. Vance said he would have endorsed the false elector scheme. Then, Senator J.D. Vance said, as president, Trump would be free to ignore what he called illegitimate Supreme Court decisions. And this is not the first time J.D. Vance has suggested this. Senator J.D. Vance was interviewed two years ago, and he said that when Trump is brought back to the White House, he should, quote, fire every single mid-level bureaucrat, every civil servant in the administrative state, and replace them with, quote-unquote, our people. And then, right after he said that, Ohio Senator J.D. Vance admitted that our Supreme Court would rule against Trump doing something like this. So J.D. Vance said he would advise Trump to take a playbook page from Trump's favorite president, Andrew Jackson, who famously told the Supreme Court when it ruled against him, quote, the chief justice has made his ruling, now let him enforce it. 
J.D. Vance is saying, I would tell Trump to do what Andrew Jackson did, and that is defy the Supreme Court. Now, what Senator J.D. Vance, Yale, left out about that quote is, nobody's really sure Andrew Jackson ever really said that. But he is reported to have said this to Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, John Marshall, after the court ruled against President Jackson's trail of tears. The Supreme Court ruled against Andrew Jackson and the state of Georgia uprooting the Cherokee people by force and marching them to Oklahoma, the Trail of Tears, genocide of the Cherokee people. So that is who J.D. Vance was celebrating when he talked about Andrew Jackson. That's what he was celebrating He was celebrating Trump's favorite president. He was celebrating a quote from Trump's favorite president that endorsed genocide, literal literal genocide, Andrew Jackson defying a court order and allowing the Cherokee people to be taken off their land. It's incredible that, that somebody would celebrate Andrew Jackson telling the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, you made your ruling, now go enforce it. I'm going to commit ethnic cleansing. Andrew Jackson's Indian Removal Act, signed in 1830, lasted 20 years. It was federally sanctioned ethnic cleansing and genocide. And that's what J.D. Vance is celebrating. Andrew Jackson, genocide. Andrew Jackson, Donald Trump's favorite president. That's what a Yale education teaches you. Meanwhile, Nikki Haley walked back a statement she made last week. She said back, back, uh, I think it was on Thursday, that if states don't approve of the way Joe Biden is handling the so-called migrant crisis, they can vote to secede from the union. Haley, and by the way, this is not the first time Haley has said this, She maintained it's in the Constitution. States reserve the right to leave if they don't like the way things are going. She says it's in the Constitution. It's not in the Constitution. And so she was forced to walk it back on Sunday. When pressed, she admitted, well, no, it's not in the Constitution. But she's walked this statement back before, which means she's going to say this again because it's what she believes. She has repeatedly said that the Civil War wasn't about slavery. She said that the South seceded only because they didn't like Washington interfering with their freedom. Yes, their freedom to deny blacks theirs. And now Republican governors are threatening Joe Biden with civil war over this manufactured migrant crisis. All of this talk is political posturing. These Republicans mean it, and they don't mean it. But they would be well advised to understand that this kind of talk is nothing short of stochastic terrorism, planting the seeds of domestic violence. That's how Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu got Yitzhak Rabin assassinated. Stochastic terrorism is when leaders throw gasoline-soaked rags into the public discourse 
and then wait for a few nuts to light it all up. We saw stochastic terrorism manifested in the Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building in Oklahoma City, and it was blown up. The storming of our nation's capital, Charlottesville, or that white man shooting up that supermarket in Buffalo. Words have consequences, and Republicans would be well advised to stop animating their base with this talk of civil war, because their base doesn't know any better, they're heavily armed, and as the FBI and Homeland Security constantly remind us, whether there's a Republican or a Democrat in the White House, America's right wing is very much prone to acts of stochastic terrorism. This is the mop-up for February 5th, 2024. I'm David Feldman in New York City. Thank you so much for finding me. Please like and share this episode so I remain in your feed. We have a poll. We have a, If you're watching us live, we have a, a poll in the YouTube chat room. If we were to allow one state to secede, which one would you choose? And these are your choices. Florida, California, all of them, or kind of off topic, but Barbie sucked. That's your fourth choice. So that's the poll we're conducting. I'll have the results at the end of this episode. The poll is, if we were to allow one state to secede, which one would you let go? Florida, California, all of them, or kind of off topic, but Barbie sucked. Republican governor warns of civil war. Republican South Dakota governor Kristi Noem is warning Joe Biden that there's going to be a civil war. Yes, that's right. Leaders within the Republican Party, the party of Lincoln, are now threatening a civil war. There seems to be a problem down in Texas. Governor Greg Abbott has planted razor wire along the Rio Grande thinking that will keep migrants out. The Biden administration sued Texas, calling the razor wire inhumane and dangerous because women and children are not only getting cut, but they're running the danger of drowning from the razor wire. The Supreme Court sided with Joe Biden. Biden is attempting to send federal authorities into Texas to remove the razor wire along the Rio Grande, but Greg Abbott is ordering his National Guard to block the federal government. And now there is talk that Joe Biden might use his authority to nationalize the Texas National Guard, which many Republicans are now warning would spark a civil war. To quote Andrew Jackson, Trump's favorite president, when the Supreme Court ruled against the ethnic cleansing of the Cherokee people, Andrew Jackson supposedly said the chief justice of the Supreme Court has made his ruling. Now let's see him enforce it. This is what we're looking at. This is what we're looking at. On Sunday, Governor Nome said, quote, If Biden's willingness to nationalize my National Guard and take away my authority as governor and as 
commander-in-chief of those National Guards, if he's willing to do that, boy, we do have a war on our hands, unquote. By the way, she's auditioning for the role of Trump's vice president. In fact, Republican South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem is said to be topping the list as a possible Trump running mate. She meets all the qualifications. She's a woman, she's white, she's stupid, and she is reportedly sleeping with Trump's first campaign manager, Corey Lewandowski, who had to step away from Trump's 2016 campaign after he was accused of physically assaulting a female reporter from Breitbart. Remember that? Corey Lewandowski. He was replaced by Paul Manafort and then Steve Bannon, who both required presidential pardons. But back to Kirstie Noem, allegedly sleeping with Corey Lewandowski. This is from Vanity Fair. Headline, this is from last year, Governor Kristi Noem, God-fearing family woman, and Corey Lewandowski, Trump creep, reportedly had years-long affair. And here's a quick refresher course on all the women who have accused Corey Lewandowski of physical and or sexual assault. Let's just review this. This from the New York Times. Corey Lewandowski, Donald Trump's campaign manager, is charged with battery. This from ABC News. Singer Joey v- uh, Joy Villa says she wants justice to be served in sexual assault allegation against Corey Lewandowski from Politico. Lewandowski cast out a Trump operation after allegation of unwanted sexual advances. And also from Politico, Corey Lewandowski, Trump donor, says Corey Lewandowski made unwanted sexual advances. Corey Lewandowski is still in Trump's orbit. He's in New Hampshire. Lewandowski's from New Hampshire. Uh, Lewandowski's not officially working for Donald Trump, but he was instrumental in helping Donald Trump win the New Hampshire primary last month. Trump likes Lewandowski, not despite the assault allegations, but because of them. Here's a brand new one. Trump body man accused of sexual assault. The Daily Beast reports that Walt Nauta Trump's White House valet slash body man has been accused by three female service members of sexual harassment and posting revenge porn. Nauta, who serves in the Navy, had worked inside the White House since 2012, but had his White House clearance revoked and then was escorted off the White House grounds while Biden was president after Nauta was accused of adultery fraternization, and conducting emotionally abusive relationships with female service members while he was married. And then there was the revenge porn. When Donald Trump heard that Nauta lost his security clearance, he said, I'll hire him. Come on down to Mar-a-Lago. And they were reunited. He was Trump's valet when Trump was in the White House. Then Biden became president, and he got escorted off the grounds, and Trump said, come on down. And Walt Nauta and Donald Trump 
are inseparable. Not, Nacha follows Trump wherever Trump goes with an umbrella or an extra pair of diapers. Nacha has also been indicted by special counsel Jack Smith, accusing Nauta of assisting Donald Trump in hiding classified material from our government during the FBI's court-ordered search of Mar-a-Lago. Stop saying it was a raid. It was a court-ordered search of Mar-a-Lago. Trump prefers male workers charged with sexual assault. If you want to get a job in Trump world and you're a man, Make sure there's some sexual assault charges on your resume. Sexual assault allegations make Trump more comfortable. He likes being around men who have a cloud hanging over their heads, especially since there are at the very least 30 credible sexual assault claims that have been leveled against Donald Trump. Trump prefers working with men who have been accused of assaulting women. Rudy Giuliani is being sued for rape by an ex-staffer who said Giuliani forced her to perform oral sex while he talked on the phone with Donald Trump. Get that scraped from your mind. That's impossible now to get that image extirpated from your brain. Cassidy Hutchinson, assistant to Trump's White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, wrote in her book that Rudy Giuliani groped her on January 6, while Trump lawyer John Eastman stared lasciviously. Max Miller, now an Ohio Republican congressman, was accused by White House Press Secretary Stephanie Grisham of physical assault while the two worked together in the Trump White House. When she went public with it, Miller sued her for defamation and then withdrew the case, withdrew the lawsuit. Rob Porter, Trump's Harvard Law School-educated White House staff secretary, had to step down amid allegations of being physically abusive towards women, including his wife. His wife said the physical abuse was really bad. Trump advisor Boris Epstein was arrested in Arizona for groping and sexually abusing two women. He pleaded guilty to disorderly conduct. Brad Parscale, Trump's digital director in the White House, was hospitalized by Florida police in 2020 after Parscale's wife called the cops saying there were bruises and cuts all over her face and arms because of Brad Parscale's physical abuse. She told the police that he had locked himself in their house with his 10 guns and was threatening to kill himself. She later recanted the accusations of physical abuse. They often do. Jason Miller, still one of Trump's closest aides, was accused of raping Trump political aide A.J. Delgado. Jason Miller left the White House amid these assault allegations So CNN said, we'll take you. CNN hired him. But then CNN told him to leave the network after there were reports that after he discovered that he had impregnated a woman who wouldn't get rid of the baby, he slipped an abortion pill into her smoothie, which resulted in her being rushed to the hospital due to massive blood loss. He denied he ever slipped 
the morning after pill into his girlfriend's smoothie. Later, this woman recanted the story as well. And of course, a jury last year found Donald Trump guilty of raping E. Jean Carroll. These are the kinds of men Donald Trump is most comfortable with. So it should come as no surprise, number of women not voting for Trump surges. A new Quinnipiac poll shows that Joe Biden beats Donald Trump in November by six percentage points, in no small part due to women, for some reason, I don't know why, but they seem to be turned off by Trump's verbal attacks on E. Jean Carroll, being found guilty of raping E. Jean Carroll. Apparently, this turns off female voters. And as the Daily Beast is now suggesting, his attacks on Taylor Swift also turning off female voters. According to this new Quinnipiac poll, 58% of the women polled said they support Biden, while only 36% support Trump. Let's not forget that Democrats are trying to get abortion propositions on ballots in several key swing states, which could strip Trump of even more female voters in November. Now, 52% of men said they support Trump, and that's a 10-point lead over Joe Biden. Only 42% of men say they support Joe Biden. Latest economic numbers, horrible for Trump, but good for America. Then again, anything that's good for America is horrible for Trump. The economic numbers just keep getting better and better for Joe Biden, which is making it increasingly difficult for Donald Trump to level credible attacks against the Biden administration. He lies, but it's hard to sell the lie to the American people that things were better when he was president. They weren't. Biden has created more jobs than any American president In history, Trump lost more jobs than any American president in history. And the new employment numbers are out for January. They are staggering. 350,000 new jobs were created. This is phenomenal growth. We now have 36 straight months of job growth, something not seen in 60 years. Even worse for Donald Trump, wage growth is outpacing the rate of inflation. And inflation sometime this year should hit the sweet spot of 2%, which is why the Federal Reserve refused to touch interest rates last week, triggering the stock market soaring to new record highs. Two Trump White House advisors, Lawrence Kudlow, who uh, I'm not going to talk about his past uh, with cocaine and alcohol. I won't bring that up. Uh, You can Google Lawrence Kudlow's years of uh, 
cocaine and alcohol abuse. He was a Trump White House advisor. He's now on Fox News. And Stephen Moore, who's now with the Heritage Foundation, and I won't talk about Stephen Moore's marital problems, but you could look those up as well. Not paying uh, support to an ex-wife. Very ugly divorce. Very ugly man. Anyway, uh, Lawrence Kudlow and Stephen Moore, Moore's with the Heritage Foundation, they both said on Friday after the job numbers came out that we can't lie. These are incredible numbers, especially since wage growth outpaces inflation. Kudlow said, quote, if I were Biden, I'd be bragging about it too. And Stephen Moore from the Heritage Foundation, who is in constant touch with Trump, He said last week that the economic news coming out of Washington is going to make Trump less persuasive in making the case to Americans that things were better when he was in the Oval Office. Stephen Moore is a horrible human being. Horrible human being. Club for growth. Uh, Anyway, Biden's approval ratings are in the tank, but more and more polling shows that Americans are slowly coming around to the realization that this is the best economy in decades, at least for half this country. The other half can't come up with $500 for an emergency. But in terms of the game that's being played in Washington, Washington, D.C., the game of presidential politics and economics. There is a game, and Biden is winning that game better than any president in modern history, which might explain why Trump takes credit for Biden's stock market. Trump is openly admitting that the stock market is hitting record highs under Joe Biden, and Republicans who have money are checking their investments Trump may lie, but numbers don't. They're doing better under Biden. Republicans are doing better under Biden. Trump knows this. So he's saying the market is way up only because he sealed the Republican nomination and is going to be president again. He's saying the stock market euphoria is due to prospects of his return to the Oval Office. The stock market, you idiot, is at best a rolling indicator of how people think things are going to be three months from now, not a year from now. He doesn't know what he's talking about. The stock market is up because earnings are up, inflation is down, and Americans have cash to spend because they're working and getting raises. But throughout his presidency, Trump tweeted 150 times that he, as president, was responsible for the rising stock market and insisted erroneously the stock market is the number one indicator of how the American economy is doing. That's wrong. But he was taking credit when the stock market was going up. Then during his last year in office, he stopped tweeting about the stock market. 
because it plummeted 30%, one of the worst drops in American history. Everything this man touches. So, while Trump misleads his voters, who have no concept of how the stock market, the economy, or anything else for that matter, works, he, you know, he insists he's responsible for the Biden stock market. Trump, at the same time, is hedging his bets by insisting that the stock market is meaningless, which is true. This wasn't his song when he was president, when the stock market was going up. But now he's talking like a populist, telling his voters that the stock market it only benefits rich people. This is what he said last week. Don't pay, a, don't pay attention to the stock market. It only benefits rich people. And then he goes on to say the reason it's going up is because Biden is only catering to the rich. That's what Trump is also saying. He's now saying that he, Trump, is on the side of the working folk. And it's Joe Biden who's juicing the stock market because he's an elitist who only cares about the billionaires. Yes, Donald Trump hates the billionaires. So much so that he racked up $8 trillion worth of debt cutting their taxes. He sure showed them. That's the great thing about being a liar and having ignorant supporters. You can say whatever pops into your, your tiny little head. Because in the end, with Trump, it's not about what Trump says. It's how he says it. It's like, it's like an REM album. His supporters aren't listening to the words. They, don't even, they can't even hear the words. They can't even make them out. Uh, they don't know what the words mean. They like the cadence, the rhythm, and the attitude. That's what you get with Trump. Don't pay attention to the lyrics Listen to his music. Trump's lawyers cost $77 million. I am not making this up. And I've noticed, you know, I have a lot of Trump listeners, a lot of Trump supporters who listen to the show, and they write me some really, you know, they're pretty, I would say, given how much I lash out at them, I think they've been pretty polite. So, but I've noticed they've been silent uh, lately on Trump's legal bills being paid by his super PAC. Donald Trump's lawyers cost him $77 million in the past two years. You heard me right. Donald Trump has spent close to $77 million on legal fees. The Associated Press is reporting this morning that 84% of Donald Trump's Save America Super PAC's spending has gone toward lawyers. During the past two years, Donald Trump has spent close to $77 million paying lawyers. For him, not for anybody else. Oh, Walt Nauta, but that's small change. And all that money comes from his Save America Super PAC, which supporters continue donating to, thinking their money will be spent on investigating election fraud and or getting Trump elected. But like I just said, 84% of that money, according to the recent filings 
on Wednesday, 84% of that money is going towards Donald Trump's legal fees. Now, under law, it is believed that Trump is maybe allowed to spend this money on lawyers. And we're not sure it's legal. We can't test it because the Federal Elections Commission has three Republican appointees who are too chicken shit to look into the legality of this loophole. Trump has also spent a fortune on expert witnesses, like the $1 million that went to accounting professor Eli Bartov, who in the New York State civil fraud trial in December testified under oath that Trump kept meticulous business records, prompting Arthur Engorin, the presiding judge, to say all Professor Bartoff proved is, quote, that for a million dollars, experts will say whatever you want them to say. million dollars out of the super PAC that you Trump supporters donated to. The Associated Press reports that so far, Alina Haba has been paid $6 million defending Trump in both his civil fraud trial, which he lost, and the E. Jean Carroll defamation suit, which he also lost. The way Donald Trump pisses away other people's money, it's hard to believe he only racked up $8 trillion in debt when he was our president. Trump hired detectives to examine his lawyers. Not only do recent regulatory filings indicate Trump used 84% of his super PAC's money to pay for lawyers, but he also spent some of it on private detectives to investigate those lawyers. What, find out if they're cheating on me? Joe Paglieri is an investigative reporter over at the Daily Beast. He writes that according to the Trump campaign's most recent filings with the Federal Elections Commission, Trump hired private investigators to look into his lawyers, especially Alina Haba, representing him in the E. Jean Carroll trial to see what kind of job she was doing. Really, he needed detectives to figure out that Lena Haba has pudding between her ears. Private investigators, former New York City cops, according to the Daily Beast, looked into who Trump's lawyers were interviewing and who they weren't. Trump's Save America PAC paid $238,100 last year to two retired (laughs) New York cops for them to essentially look into why Alina Haba was doing such a piss-poor job. Why do I get the feeling most of their time was spent setting up security cameras in order for Trump to watch her shower? Why do I think that's where the money went? Trump is reportedly upset that Alina Haba lost not just the civil fraud trial, the E. Jean Carroll trial, but also got Trump slapped with close to a million dollars in fines by a federal judge last year who called Trump's 
lawsuit against Hillary Clinton frivolous. The judge said this should never have been filed. The judge accused Alina Haba of using the court system to pursue political vendettas. Alina Haba? If you remember, Trump filed a lawsuit against Hillary Clinton claiming she was responsible for that whole Russiagate investigation. She was part of the Obama White House, he claims, and he he says that she convinced the FBI with zero evidence to open up an investigation into Trump's Russian connections back in 2016, the Crossfire Hurricane investigation. He says there was zero evidence. Uh, There was plenty of evidence. Read the Mueller report. Read the Durham report. There was plenty of evidence. Trump blew his top over feeding attorneys. We're getting new reports of how Trump holds up under pressure, and it reconfirms what we've known for years, and that is he's a petulant child who kicks and screams when he doesn't get his way. The January 6th committee report revealed that Trump would throw food at the White House dining room wall when he received news he didn't like, which is why his lawyers in the four criminal trials will never allow him to take the stand no matter how much he bullies them. He's going to bully them. He's going to say, let me, let me, you're doing a bad job. Let me make my case on my own before the jury. The criminal attorneys are not going to allow this. Trump bulldozed his attorney, Alina Haba, in the E. Jean Carroll trial and insisted that she insists he be allowed to testify on his behalf. And it was a disaster. What was it, a week ago? Trump testified for three minutes. Most of that time was spent getting upbraided by the judge for not following instructions. Trump, exasperated, stormed out of the courtroom in front of the jury, repeatedly shouting, this is not America, this is not America. Throughout the trial, Alina Haba was repeatedly told to control her client as he heckled the judge in front of the jury. Not the best way to convince a jury in a defamation suit that you're able to control what you say. He's in a defamation lawsuit and he cannot stop screaming and defaming. That's not how you win a defamation suit. Trump cannot regulate what he says because he lacks impulse control. Like I said, he's going to want to testify in the Manhattan criminal trial that begins next month. If the lawyers let him steamroll them, they will lose. They're going to lose anyway, but they will lose big time if he is somehow able to steamroll them and testify. Roberta Kaplan, Eugene Carroll's attorney, who just won an $83.3 million judgment against Trump, has been opening up about Donald Trump's behavior 
at Mar-a-Lago last year when he sat for her deposition. Halfway through her deposition, Kaplan, Eugene Carroll's attorney, halfway through it, Kaplan said it was time for a lunch break. And Trump said, no lunch break. Let's just plow through this. It's a waste of time. This deposition is eating into my schedule. And Kaplan said, rules of procedure dictate a one-hour break for lunch. We're going to take it. And Trump got angry and petulant and shouted, well, good luck. This was at Mar-a-Lago. He says to Kaplan, good luck getting something to eat here at Mar-a-Lago because you're not getting served on the premises. So where do you think you're going to go to eat? And you think you'll be back in an hour after trying to find a place? And E. Jean Carroll's attorney, Kaplan, very calmly said, oh, no worries, Mr. Trump. Your attorneys are providing lunch for us. It's standard procedure for the defendant's attorneys to provide lunch for the plaintiff's attorneys during a deposition like this, so we're good. Trump, she said, turned beet red, grabbed a stack of papers and threw them against the wall like an angry little child, yelled and stormed out of the room. He is easily provoked. It's very easy to provoke him. And he's getting worse. He's getting worse. He flatters himself. He thinks he's able to control himself, but he can't. And the reason the judgment in the E. Jean Carroll trial was so high is because his courtroom antics served as further evidence that E. Jean Carroll was telling the truth and that he defames people. He defamed the judge. Defames, he, couldn't, he couldn't stop defaming E. Jean Carroll. Now, at some point in one of these four criminal trials we're going to see this year, Trump is going to demand he take the stand. Unfortunately for him, he's got the nomination locked up. So he has the rallies, you know, the, the, the fight, it's go, it's, he's, gonna, he's just going to have the nomination. And so he's going to obsess on these trials, and he's going to show up for them, and he's not going to be able to just sit there and let people expose him as a criminal, which he is. He's going to demand to take the stand. He is going to freak out when Stormy Daniels takes the stand, when Cohen takes the stand, when Mark Meadow. He's going to freak when Mike Pence testifies. He's going to demand that he take the stand the same way he demanded to take the stand in, in both civil trials and both times in the E. Jean Carroll trial, the civil fraud trial, it ended up costing him hundreds of millions of dollars. Hundreds of millions of dollars. Now, what's coming up next are criminal trials. His bad behavior in these criminal trials won't result in higher civil penalties. His bad behavior on the stand or in the courtroom, or outside the courtroom, will convince a jury to send him to prison. 
He cannot control himself. He will convict himself on the stand or off the stand. Once those trials begin, he will convict himself. So he's got to win in November. He's got to win in November or he's going to prison. Trump targets his Georgia prosecutor. Now, if Trump somehow wins in November, he can shut down all the federal investigations looking into him. He can also maybe pardon himself that is subject to debate. But one thing is certain. If Donald Trump is president again, there's nothing he as president can do about Fonnie Willis down in Georgia. The Fulton County District Attorney operates independently. States' rights. He can't pardon himself or or anyone else for a state crime as president. He can't shut down the Fulton County District Attorney's Office. This is why Fonnie Willis is constantly getting death threats, racially tinged death threats from Trump supporters. And now Madam DA has come under fire for having a relationship with Nathan Wade, the lead prosecutor in the RICO trial, charging Trump and 19 others in trying to subvert Georgia's 2020 presidential election results. The Trump smear machine is accusing Fonnie Willis of benefiting financially from her relationship with Nathan Wade, her lead prosecutor. Why? Because he may or may not have paid for vacations the two allegedly took together to Napa Valley, one to Florida, and one to the Caribbean. Nathan Wade, the lead prosecutor, said they split the costs. It's nothing. It's nothing. But the smear machine has to turn it into something. Now, Fonnie Willis passed the bar. And so did her father, who used to be a Black Panther, and he became an attorney. The two of them passed the bar and can practice law. The chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Jim Jordan, failed the bar, could not pass the bar, went to law school, couldn't pass the bar. I guess during the bar exam, he kept looking the other way. He's been known to do that. So lapdog Jim Jordan has to help Donald Trump out, so he's subpoenaing Fonnie Willis to get to the bottom of her relationship with Nathan Wade because Jim Jordan has done such a great job getting to the bottom of that whole fictitious Hunter Biden scandal. So let's work the logic here, shall we? Okay. Fonnie Willis may or may not have had a relationship with Nathan Wade, the special prosecutor she hired. And they seem to have taken three vacations together to get away from Trump's round-the-clock death threats. They decided to take a little vacation. You know, 
round-the-clock, racially-tinged, misogynistic death threats, you want to get out of town, okay? So because she took three vacations with the special prosecutor, that means Donald Trump is innocent? What does this have to do with anything? Let's use some more logic here. Uh, I know Jim Jordan failed the, the bar exam, and there's some syllogisms and logical puzzles, logic puzzles, so, you know, it might be hard. But uh, Jim Jordan is saying that Nathan Wade, the special prosecutor hired by Fonnie Willis, is unqualified to be hired as a special prosecutor. And the only reason he got hired was he was intimate with Fonnie Willis. Okay. So then if you're with Trump, wouldn't you want Nathan Wade to be the special prosecutor? If your goal is for Trump to skate, then why would you draw attention to the special prosecutor being unqualified. There's no logic here. They're saying that Nathan Wade is unqualified for the job of prosecuting Mein Fuhrer. Wouldn't you want him to be unqualified? There's no thinking that goes into this. It's just slinging mud. Trump uh, is just slinging mud over three vacations. Meanwhile, Trump is paying his lawyers through his super PAC. That money was raised from small donors who were tricked into contributing because Trump lied to them and told them this money would be spent on investigating voter fraud. His lawyers are getting paid because Donald Trump committed wire fraud, which will be the next series of indictments. But we're supposed to be alarmed because Fonnie Willis took three vacations with a special prosecutor to get out of town because it's nonstop racially tinged death threats from Donald Trump, from Donald Trump, who hasn't said once to his supporters, to knock it off. He encourages it. This is unprecedented. Trump voters unaware of his criminal indictments. Since 1968, Republicans have branded themselves the party of law and order. They have always, since 1968, been about giving more power to the cops and locking up criminals. And while the Republicans still love the police and insist the solution to crime is more prisons, the current standard bearer of their party has 91 criminal indictments. He's just wrapping up a civil fraud trial, and he just got hit with an $83.3 million judgment for defaming the woman he raped. And the rest of the year... Donald Trump will be busy getting tried in four separate criminal courtrooms. Republican leaders right now 
are tying themselves in knots, blaming the prosecutors, blaming the juries, the judges, the media, and of course the FBI, the CIA, and the deep dark state. Because there's no way Donald Trump could ever be guilty. Republicans, the leadership, says it's a massive conspiracy a massive conspiracy against the man who literally threatens the wives and families of these very same politicians when they don't lie for him. But what about the voters? You can't threaten the voters. You can't intimidate the voters. On election day, you can have poll monitors there intimidating people of color from voting. But, uh, you know, there's going to be mail-in ballots. You really can't intimidate voters, especially Trump voters. Uh, If they're for law and order, Trump voters, and they love the cops, wouldn't they be upset that Donald Trump is being tried in all these courtrooms? I mean, you can't have every district attorney be in on the conspiracy. Well, it turns out they don't know. They don't know. They don't know anything. That's why they're voting for Trump. They don't know. They don't know anything about the 91 criminal indictments. Philip Bump, writing in the Washington Post this morning, says, people like you and me, my listeners, we suffer from the vanity of assuming that Trump supporters care about the same things we do. In other words, one could argue that we're a bit narcissistic to automatically assume MAGA Republicans would care about the rule of law, democracy, justice, or fairness. They don't. So they aren't following any of Trump's legal travails. Because to them, it's fake news. Bump over at the Washington Post writes about a new YouGov poll that shows only 25% of Republicans were aware of the New York State civil fraud trial where Trump was found guilty of ripping off banks and insurers. 40% know about next month's criminal trial surrounding the hush money paid to porn star Stormy Daniels. Why do they know about this? Because Stormy Daniels is a porn star. They know about that. But they don't follow Trump's legal woes. Why don't they follow them? Well, they're hard to keep track of. It's confusing. It's the Green Bay sweep. (laughs) He's flooded the zone with so many criminal trials Nobody can pay attention to it. It's confusing. It requires concentration and something Trump voters lack focus. So obviously, Republicans, especially Trump supporters, are going to ignore Trump's legal grief and focus on this imaginary crisis that he invented at the border. Now, some people keep saying to me, why do you insist that it's an imaginary crisis? It is imaginary. There is no crisis. All you need to do 
is hire more immigration judges to process these people. That's all it is. Now, back to this YouGov poll. Uh, Democrats are not so great either. YouGov asked a question of voters kind of to to test what they know about the news. Uh, This was the test question. Quote, to your knowledge, has Donald Trump been indicted for drug trafficking? So they asked these questions like, to your knowledge, has Donald Trump been indicted for paying hush money to Stormy Daniels? To your knowledge, has Donald Trump been indicted for inflating the value of his real estate to secure better loans? These are part of the questions to test what voters were paying attention to and what they knew. And one of the trick questions, it wasn't a trick question, was, to your knowledge, has Donald Trump been indicted for drug trafficking? 17% of Democrats said yes. Trump has been indicted for being a a drug kingpin. And only 6% of Republicans thought Donald Trump had been indicted for drug trafficking. Democrats have to do better. That's, that's really bad that 17% of my people thought Donald Trump had been indicted for being a drug kingpin. You know, it's hard to justify holding the election in November if even Democrats aren't paying attention. And finally... This headline from Business Insider, Florida anger management therapist accused of murder of a homeless man. Why? Because Florida. That's Florida. I'm David Feldman reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. Before I go, let's check the poll. We have a a poll in our chat room on YouTube, and while I try to find the YouTube channel, I will remind you that this is an audio podcast, so please download these episodes on your next drive or your next walk. Please do that. This show is great to listen to when you're walking or cleaning somebody's apartment And please subscribe to my newsletter, as well as this channel. The best way to help me is to like this episode and share it. That's the best way. That's how I remain in your feed. Okay, I found the episode. There we go. Next. There we go. Walk. Please do that. Okay. Hi. Thank you for uh, being here. We have the live studio audience or the chat room. If you're watching the show live on, is Bob here? Thank you, Bob, for being here and keeping the uh, conversation civil. So if you're watching live, please go into the chat room and fill out the poll. We have 1,050 votes. Here's the question. Well, this is interesting. If one state were to leave, which one would you prefer to go? Florida, Texas, 
all of them, Barbie sucked, total hype. Okay, those are the four questions. So I will, are you getting in your votes? We have the, okay, 1,050 votes this morning. At the bottom, 14% of the people in the chat room said Barbie sucked total hype. Okay, that's interesting. Coming in third, Florida with 23%. 23% of my listeners in the chat room would prefer Florida to secede. Then in second place, 28% said they would prefer all 50 states would go. But the winner with 34%, Texas. 34% of my listeners in the chat room say they want Texas to secede first. Not Florida. I have friends in Texas. There's hope for Texas. Florida is effed up. I disagree with you. Texas may go blue. Some of the greatest people I know are from Texas. You got to forgive Texas. It's another country. It really is. When you go to Texas, it's like you're in another country. Florida is another planet. Florida. Florida. The worst people in the world live in Florida. And those are just my relatives. Thank you so much for listening to my show today. And I will see you maybe tomorrow if I have the energy. Thank you for showing up. Thank you.